Hello everyone, this is your host, Jamie Buckley, and this is Life of Fiction, Episode 8. And I have a bit of a treat for you this week. It's taken quite a while for me to arrange a time that I could have a conversation with my oldest son, Evan, because I wanted to discuss his absolute favorite fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. And I finally got the opportunity. Unfortunately, and this is the preface to this episode, we had to record it outside with lapel mics. And so you will notice that there will be a bit of background noise because of traffic. Um, But I will be cutting out and condensing any major interruptions um, or uh, delays. So I apologize for that. Um, Did the very best that I could, but I think you'll really enjoy the conversation that we have about the Wheel of Time. So let's get right to it. I just want to have the freedom to talk about this at length. That's why I have that there. So I mean, I do. I, I love how your mind works and I figured the listeners of the podcast would just love for your I mean I had to think about it your your passion in describing that series and how much you like it and the things that you've learned from it and the principles that you sifted from it uh, motivated me to first of all try to start the series four times now nope epic failure I'm going to do it but I can't do to get past you're not the you're first not, hundred pages you're not the only one <laughs> And but you got me to buy all the books, and now I've bought half of the books audiobooks. Those things are expensive. Uh, which that was the only reason why I ended up getting an Audible account was to get yeah. those books because I'm not paying sixty-eight to eighty bucks for a book. Um, so I know Asia's preferring to listen to them as well. That's what she told me. She told me on another podcast. So you know, I the thing about thing about that series was one it hit at a really good time i had just finished oh i don't even remember the series you had a box of old fantasy books by the way before <laughs> we need to make sure that everyone listening knows we're talking about the wheel of time by the way right we're yeah. talking about the wheel of time so, <laughs> we started the conversation before i pressed play um so wheel of time came into good t- uh, it just it came at a good timing for me and i for the life of me can't remember the name of almost any book i've ever read because I, I never cared about the name of the book or the title of the book or anything. I just opened it up and started reading. Huh. I love the Wheel of Sci- the Wheel of Time books more than any other series, and I struggle to remember a single title of any of the books. Oh, there you go. Um, I also couldn't pick a. I, I no, I could pick a favorite. I could pick a favorite. Pick a favorite book or out of the out of the series, I could pick a favorite. Yeah, and I was going to say I couldn't. And there's how many? Fourteen. So so there's fourteen. Um, there were supposed to be twelve. Uh, from from what I remember, there were supposed to be twelve, but the last book was just so massive. Brandon Sanderson split it into three, into so twelve, three? thirteen, fourteen. Um, were they still the same length mm-hmm. as his original? Yep. Dang. So they're about six hundred to seven hundred pages. Oh. oh so the, wow. the 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 thing with the the series was Robert Jordan knew he was going to die, so he wrote the ending, and then wanted and tasked his wife with finding an author to fill in the gap, which is far different from a lot of guys, because when they, when they die, and they're like, I need someone to finish my series, but he's like, no, there was a point to this. There was a point to it. 
Gotcha. And I need to get to that point. So the point has to remain, you know, Um, which is, which is something that, uh, it's particularly important when you're writing a series that long, you're, you're getting somewhere. There's a, there's a, there, there was always an end goal in mind, a, a principle that wanted to be shared. And, and so the book came to me at the right time because you had an old box of books mm-hmm. and I don't remember the name of them. I remember w- there was a series about 12 swords, town breaker. Yeah. Stuff like that. I don't remember the name of the series. Um, I was reading, I'd finished reading that one. I'd read the El- Elric of Meldebone. Yep. Meldebone or however they pronounce it. Yeah, you know it's it, it's funny. It's funny with all the fantasy. That books. was the same box I had. Thieves' World. Mm-hmm. No, and then Thieves' World, okay. and I read three of those. Okay. Um. So, it's it's funny, you know. Even my pronunciation of of I call it Melnabone. I know it's like Melnabone or something like that. Um. It's interesting, especially as a kid. You know, at um, 10, 11, 12 years old, that uh, my pronunciation of those because I'd never heard anybody else in the world say them. Right. None of my friends knew them. Nothing like that. Everything was <laughs> was just my own. Right, so if I pronounce any of that um, different, then it was meant to be. Uh, oh well. <laughs> if anyone complains, well, um, tough crap. You didn't show up to correct me. So. <laughs> that being said, Jordan Peterson or Jordan Peterson, uh, Robert Jordan, had a pronunciation guide in the back of his book. Oh. Which I immensely appreciated. Um, so all the main character names, all you know, different tribes, different stuff like that. He had a pronunciation guide. I wish the people that did the audiobooks would have read it. <laughs> oh, no. Because one of the authors doesn't go by the pronunciation guy. I just started the first book. And oh, gosh. I, I, okay. I, I, I severely struggle because one person they had reading it pronounces uh, a couple times um, Lake. They say Locky and they move on. <laughs> and then it's just Lake? And it's just Lake. <laughs> it was like, it was like Locky oh. Glossmere. And I'm like, Lake? Glossmere? It's a lake. It's not it's not trying to be some weird he's not there's no play on words. This isn't some weird tile. Locky Glossmere. No, it's it's lake. It's like it's a lake. It's a body of water. It's not Locky, and every time they said it it was Locky. I was like, you shouldn't freaking read books. Like for, for a living. Jeez. Like I I have a hard time with that. So I I'd gone through all those books and I was looking for something else. And for for everyone listening, I uh, I was homeschooled, and while I had an abundance of extracurricular activities, and I was able to go out and see friends and and participate in groups and stuff like that, in my day to day, after school, there just wasn't a whole lot of activity um, that I had available available to me, besides uh, spending time with my sisters, which was touch and go at best. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can only pull their hair so many times in the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it came to me at a good time because I, I just finished all those. I'd, I'd finished Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow, and Simon just finished Ender's and Shadow, by the way. He did. Well, we've been talking about it, and I was ready to take on some of these bigger, these bigger books. You know, as a kid, especially going to the library, you'd see these, you'd see these short, fat little books, mm-hmm. and they were intimidating because they're seven hundred pages, yeah. and they're small, and you know, and. The trade, I, the trade paperbacks with the, yep. the light tan paper. And, exactly. But exactly. So, so it, it was fun to venture into, and I, I picked it up because the cover, you know, uh, I want to say it was the. I saw one that was the Dragon Reborn, which is one of the only ones that I remember, and that's the third book, the Dragon Reborn. Okay. 
and I liked it so much. I was like, oh, that cover looks cool. I'm going to go find the first book in the series. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just kind of started me off. Uh, I had nothing else to read. It was summertime. I ended up going through for a period of time. I was reading about 500 pages a day. Uh, I'd get up in the morning, I'd get my score done as quick as I could, and I'd start reading. And then I'd just read all day long. Huh. And, you know, after after I was on the verge of being punished for not doing my chores, then I'd hurry and get up, try to do my chores as quick as I possibly could, get back. And, and, uh, and I read most of the series sitting on the couch in the house right next to Jordan Landing. Hmm. Okay. Sitting on the couch. You know, funny story with that. Uh, completely unrelated to the wheel of time so i wear glasses and i have substantially bad vision i i I hear all the time people go well i have bad vision i've bad and i hand them my glasses i'm like tell me how how well can you see with these you know and it it hurts their eyes right Mm -hmm. um you know people talk about 2020 i've got about 820 right wow so i will see at 20 feet what you see at 800 feet right (laughs) It's not 100% accurate, but that's a, that's a close, that gives people an idea, right? Right. Um, so things are pretty blurry. And I remember we had the, that big three-pane window right there in the main room, right? Yeah. And I had opened up all the curtains one night before I went to sleep, but I was sleeping on the couch because I was reading the book, that was the lamp, I didn't want to wake up my sibling in the room with the with the lamp on, so, so I was reading uh, out in the living room, I decided to sleep there. And I woke up, and the house across the street was from what I could see was on fire and fire was pouring out of every window, every opening. It was as if the entire building had spontaneously caught fire. And I remember I panicked so hard because I opened my eyes. I saw the fire. I flipped out of the couch, ran and I smacked my head against the glass to get a better view. And as the slowly came into focus, it was a fire truck with its lights that were on the building. And because the light was moving on the building, I had, uh, because I couldn't see. I couldn't see what the source of light. I couldn't see it was coming from the truck. Mm-hmm. I was really struggling with that. It, it wasn't until I realized that it was the, the light from the truck on the building that made the building look like it was on fire. And uh, <laughs> I remember I smacked my nose so hard. And mom came out because I'm in the living room. And I hit the glass super hard. And I'm... I'm yeah, the bang. I, yeah. I don't know if I made any sound. Um, her coming out and, and I... Yeah, she, 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 what are you doing up? What are you doing out here? You know, and I, I kind of let her know what it was. She kind of laughed a bit, a little bit, went back to bed. My heart was racing so much. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be awake, so I'm going to read more. And, and you know what, what's interesting actually about that, and maybe this is where it, it relates a little bit, is that changed my sleep schedule. Because I decided it's, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm just going to read, right? Um, but that means I, I, I read until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Then I slept. <laughs> Woke up, ate dinner, went back, slept, woke up at nine o'clock, and then read through the night. And then I he, continued that through a good chunk of the series. You know, weird thing. That, that's the first time you've ever told me that. Weird thing is, so you know that I graduated early from high school with honors 4.0. Yeah. So I graduated at 15. What, what, I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, I would come home from school and immediately go to sleep. And then I would get get up at eleven o'clock at night and make my quote dinner, and then sit down and watch Johnny Carson while I ate dinner. <laughs> and then I would study through the night and then have breakfast and then go back to school. And I mean that's kind of how I did all of high school in about four and a half months. Most of the time I didn't adhere to schedules like that. 
most of the time it was pretty early. I liked getting up early. Uh-huh. I was fairly easy to wake up. You know, I remember even when I was doing stuff with you in the morning, all you had to do was open the door and say my name. Yep. And I'd, and I'd get up. And I've, I've maintained that just being a light sleeper. Yeah. Um, right now, where I found myself, I'm the last person in my house to go to sleep. Um, I all of a sudden can't sleep, and I get horribly depressed and lonely. I end hmm. up spiraling so fast into panicky... Uh, just mounting where you jump sit at and everything sit and su- well hypersensitive jump, jump to everything, all sounds and I sit and sob like I'll cry like a baby because I, the loneliness it's just it's 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 a problem <laughs> and my, my whole family knows um, if I'm the last one awake I won't I won't I won't sleep they'll they'll get up at 7 o'clock and I'll be awake still most of the time huh um, and you know part of it is it's the middle of the night. There's not much to do. You know, you'll every once in a while you'll go flip through YouTube videos and you go down that YouTube rabbit hole where it's been three hours. You're watching a giraffe ride a bike and you're, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I'm not <laughs> like I anyway. So that kind of flipped my schedule. And where that worked out was I could read through the night without being interrupted, which allowed me to just go through the books. Yeah. Pretty, pretty quickly, pretty right. well. And that made a made a big difference, too. So I was going through a book, almost a book every day. Good grief. Um, so I went through books one through eight, ten days, eleven days. Wow. Something like that. I just consumed the series. Um, I was so happy to have a series that just was so long and so <laughs> in-depth. And, and then I hit the end of what had been written. And Brandon Sanderson hadn't been picked yet. Oh. So then it was a waiting period. We moved down to... We moved down south from where we were at. And once we moved down there, down south, some of the books started coming out. And I got in a nook, picked up those, and I remember there was a little... Almost like balcony, the north end of the house on the second level where we were at. Uh-huh. And I, I went out and I put my camp chair up. I got a large container of water to keep me hydrated. And I'd pull out the book and then I just started going through the books again. Um, when I wasn't when I wasn't working. Obviously, you know, at that point in my life I was I was seventeen or well I was no, I was eighteen. So I was working. Yeah. Um but any moment I wasn't working I'd go set up that camp chair day or night and I'd go sit in that camp chair as long as I could stay awake. And I'd read what Brandon Sanderson wrote. You know, the, the book, the, or the series rather, I have to work backwards a little bit. Okay. I'm a very religious person, obviously. I'm, I'm very happy with my choices and my beliefs. Um, I'm very confident in how I reached the decision to believe what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing happened by accident. Nothing, you know, there wasn't a moment that just changed me or converted me or you know anything like that but I'm I'm very content with my choices and I'm I'm well equipped to explain to people why I have chosen what I've chosen sure so because of that the story particularly res- spoiler alerts <laughs> I have to put it out there I'm going to spoil the hell out of this book and the series so if you don't like it well and I'm also going to put I'll make sure that I put links to all the books so that they yeah. can gain access um, to that. So, 
the 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 book spoke to me on a religious level because they addressed some points that are common in Christianity, and that is endure to the end, right. endure to the end, endure to the end. You know, one of the things that that makes and and this is I'm talking about Christianity, and I'll link back to the books. But you need to understand my opinion of or my view of Christianity to understand why the books resonate the way that they did. Okay, fair enough. Um, in the Bible, Jesus calls you to take up your cross. Yeah. Um, and the goal is, is to endure to the end. Pick it up and carry it until the end, no matter what. The book ends on that note. So, and this is the massive spoiler. So if, if, if you're going to read it, skip past this part. Um, you get to the very end of the book. And it spent so long creating characters, and it kills off a lot of them, most of them. Characters that you've loved, that you've read, that you've... Uh, it's just characters that you fall in love with, and they die. In droves, they die. That's and, not an uncommon thing, though. Well... I mean, think, I mean, think about it. I mean, two that I can think that at least my listeners and my readers would would uh relate to you know rr martin you know you've got you've got the game of thrones well he's notorious for that game of thrones is unique in that well there's that but then again even harry potter you got the wars in the end Uh, but none of the main but none of the big main characters okay the big main characters so so but but when you bring up characters that you fall in love with that you live with you know right well even i mean harry harry potter being a being an interesting one i mean you don't lose the trio you don't lose the weasley parents you don't lose you know there are a few twins there there are a few small ones uh, but but even lots of fantasy books that i've read i mean dragonlance you lose one person right yeah you know uh lord of the rings the main characters you know you know gandalf dies but comes back stuff like that you know it just it doesn't i mean even like i said in lord of the rings most of the most of the other characters survive too, right? There aren't there aren't a whole lot of deaths. Theoden lives. Uh, Theoden's what, da- what about, daughter lives. Or, or what is, about Sanderson's? Oh goodness, what is it? The series that got me hooked on Sanderson. Mistborn. Mistborn series. One yeah. character dies. Okay. Well, not a whole lot of books have as many main so, characters right, so, as so, the ones that he's so, got. So, but the thing so. is, even even not even just main characters, just characters, right? You uh-huh. get you get used to a character and they live, right? A lot of the time. Okay. Um, you know, obviously we call it plot armor. All right, they've got plot armor. So, all these characters that have made it through all these things, obviously with plot armor, start coming to an end. Some of them not a great end. And yeah, basically you have a little bit of it happening. And then it goes to the scene where Rand is fighting the Dark One. Okay. And... They're tussling back and forth, fighting. It's a battle of wills, not necessarily swords. And they get pulled into this vision. And and Rand says, you know, this is the world you want to create. This is what I'm going to stop. And what's the world? The sky's dark. Everything's twisted and gross looking. Everything's covered in thorns. And, you know, it's this, this world of nightmares. Okay. And, and the Dark One's like, hey, hey, hey. This is what everyone claims I want. But this isn't what I want. This isn't the world that I want to create. And Rand's like, what? And the Dark One pulls him into a vision and says, let me show you the world I want to create. So, 
he pulls him into a vision and Rand is standing in the city of his wife it's a beautiful city he's standing in the market and without going into too much detail basically a kid comes and steals an apple he steals an apple from a vendor the vendor turns around and kills the child picks up the apple off the ground next to the dead body of the child rubs it on a shirt and, and, and puts it back for sale and Rand looks into his eyes and he realizes that the man is devoid of conscience. Can't tell right from wrong. <laughs> and he stumbles out of the vision and he's just horrified. He says, this is the most horrific thing. That's far worse than a world twisted and evil because at least in that world, you know, we can fight back. There's, you know, there's something. But in this world, like, you just have no conscience. So he says, okay, Dark One, let me show you a world without you. So he pulls him in to a scene where him, his wives, children are playing. And he's watching him play. And at one point he looks at his wife. And he looks in her eyes and she's devoid of conscience. And he he stumbles out of his own vision. Just horrified. Oh, Oh, man trying to imagine that and the dark one's like i told you we're the same (laughs) and he goes how is it a world without the dark one is the same as a world with the dark one in control and he falls to his knees and he basically says end it end it fine you win and the dark one said like let me show you how futile this whole thing's been And then he opens up a vision and he gets to show, he starts showing Rand all of the characters dying. And you start, if you're paying attention, you start to notice a theme with all of them dying. None of them have their lives taken from them in surprise. But all of them end up in situations where they have a choice. Save my life or give my life for something greater. Uh-huh. And they all come to a point that they give their life for something greater. You know, one of my one of my favorite ones, and he's not a main, he's not even one of the big characters. In fact, he's a very minor character that you, you very little do you see. They're evacuating the castle, and he's the last one there. He's one of the, he's a one of the members of the military, and he's running through the basement of the building, mm-hmm. and he hears a sound behind a door. And he opens it, and he finds a room full of children, full of children. And so it turns out, spot? and it turns out the maidens that he, they put in charge of the children stuffed all the children in a room and ran, so that the children wouldn't slow him down. Oh my! And gosh. he's the last one in the building, and not you know, not thirty seconds behind him is the horde of guys coming. So he looks in the room of children, and he softly closes the door. And he puts the bar down in front of the door. And then he turns around and he pulls out his sword. And he stands in front of that door. And it goes through a thought process. He goes, I will stack the bodies so high they'll ignore this door. And he stands there as this waves and waves of creatures come at him. And he kills them just and stacks the bodies until he dies. But they're stacked against the door. Wow. And... You have one guy, and he looks at his wife, and he's so happy to be with her. He's been missing her for years, trying to find her. 
and he sees a bad guy, one of the chosen, decimating his troops, and he goes, I'm the only one here that can kill him. So he looks at his wife, he looks at her, her back's turned, he looks at her, and he's just, I hope you can feel my love right now. And he runs for the bad guy. He says, I know I can get behind enemy lines, I know I can get to him, I'm going to kill him, and then I'm going to die. And he gets to him, they fight, and he doesn't kill him, and he dies. <laughs> and his brother goes, now, I'm going. And he sees his, his brother go down. He goes over the same thing. And he's a far stronger fighter than his brother. He gets up there and he dies. And they're both at the foot of this guy. They're both dead. And the third character, Lan, goes, You poor children. I'm the only one that can. And he jumps up there and he fights him this long battle. And then he gets the sword through his belly. And the guy, the chosen starts laughing. Like, haha, I've killed you. What of it now? You've lost. And he goes, I didn't come here to win. I came here to kill you. Slid deeper on the sword and cut off the Chosen's head. <laughs> and then falls. Wow. And you watch all these characters die. And all of a sudden this theme starts recurring. Everyone chose to die. Everyone chose to do their duty. They chose to say goodbye to those they love. They so chose to say goodbye to their lives. They chose to, to give anyway. And it hits Rand, and he stands up, and all of a sudden he's, he's filled with this immense power as he looks at the Dark One and he says, Wait, I get it now. It's not about beating you, banishing you, destroying you. You lose when you don't break us. You can kill us, but we'll be reborn again in the Wheel of Time. We will have an opportunity to live again if you don't break us. So every single one of these that you just showed me that you've killed, that you're responsible for, every single one beat you. So rather than kill you, I'm going to accept that people need the opportunity to choose evil in order to choose good. So I restrict your power. And I limit its, its ability so people still have a choice but you can't dominate the world. <laughs> and I put you in your place. You can kill them. You can kill all of them. But you didn't win a single one of them. They chose. And they will be reborn again. But you will not. I bind you. And with that, he rebinds the Dark One. Wow. And he says... And, 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 the, you know, and the point there is... He's like, but I'll get out again. He goes, you will. And when you do... I'll be here again. I will be reborn again. And I will fight you again. Why? Because it's about life. It's about beauty. It's about family. You know, and he goes through all these things that he's saying. He says, and it's about being strong enough that you can't break us. So that hits the, the Christian in me. <laughs> if you lose your life for my name's sake, you'll yeah. find it again. Um, and endure to the end. And so the point there of that book for all the good guys was, it's okay to die. It's okay to die. Yeah. It's not okay to break. Don't break, just die. Hmm. And for him to, for the author, to so firmly believe that. I, I, I off the top of my head, I, I don't know that I'm 100% correct, but I believe he was, he was a Vietnam vet. 
Okay. So then he saw a lot And of I that. believe that part of the thing that he needed to do for himself was he needed to believe in the sacrifice of those that sacrificed him. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. It's like talking with Uncle Bob. So, so there was a, right. So there's a story of, there's a story of um, not giving up and the sacrifices of those that you love meant something and meant something great. And that's something that no one can take away from them. Not the devil, not anybody. And, and in that, you find peace with every single death. Because they're like, they'll be born again. They'll be weaved into the wheel of time. And they'll be born again. Why? Because they were worthy of being born again. Wow. Uh, because they could not be broken. They could only be killed. <laughs> and, and, and so, really, when it comes down to that, the Christian in me, the idea is the same. Endure. Endure to the end. Mm-hmm. Don't be broken. Don't let the crippling difficulties of this world and this life and hardship and murder and rape and everything tear you down to the point that you break. You have a responsibility to bear that cross, to be kind, to be loving, to be charitable, to serve those around you. No matter what, you don't get to break. There's no excuse. There's no... I know you sacrificed everything for me, Jesus, but I'm really pissed off with this guy, so I'm justified in putting down the cross for a minute so that I can call him a son of a bitch. (laughs) Nope. You're not justified. You need to do better. You need to be stronger. And so that call to something greater through hardship, including death, really solidified in me a the courageous aspect of serving God. Wow. And I know for people that don't believe in God, it's it's um goodness it still sounds even, like an goodness even powerful because, theme anyway. be, because even there where you know they kind of talk about the creator wheel of the wheel of time but but they they don't touch <clears throat> on it very much and, and 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 so even without a God, even if you want to say there there is no God, that's a life worthy of living of living yeah I agree when you can get to the end of life and you go I endured everything that was there and I still gave those are the lives that we remember those are those are the lives that that make the difference and the thing is is that there was one slight aspect of that too the ending there it's there's some of those sacrifices on the grand scale of the battle didn't mean anything but the point was, is the individual made it. The individual made the choice uh-huh. and received whatever glory you want to say they received in the afterlife, in whatever you want to call it, because they made the choice to give their lives for something greater than themselves. And they they endured to the end. So... So the call to endure to the end, I think, was, was what that came down to. And I believe that Robert Jordan, whether, whether he believed in Christianity or not, spoke very um, fervently with the beliefs associated in, in what the New Testament teaches. So, Do you think these were stories that, could you call these stories, um, or these books or the series, would you say that this is a series... Of individual stories, then. Um, 
I know that it has. I mean, you just described yes the, no. the overall theme, but I mean, you're talking about all these these individual um, tests and individuals overcoming and enduring and making these choices. I mean, that... I have a theory. Okay. I'd like to hear now, what that theory is. Now, I want to preface this theory with saying that one of the things that I know I'm guilty of, and that's looking at things through rose-colored glasses. If you're looking for something, you find it, right? Sure. I think that he f- took aspects of himself and his own questions, put them in each of the main characters, and then resolved it. Huh. Okay. Especially towards the end. Okay. Um, I'll give you a good one. Um, Perrin Ibarra. He's an interesting character throughout the series. He's different than the other two. How so? Well, for starters, he's way more vicious. And this is a character that, is this one of the heroes? Mm-hmm. One of the main, one of the main okay. three. So the main three consists of, 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 of Rand, Matt, and Perrin. They're the three boys. Okay. Um, they're Tavren, which means the, the, in this series, the Wheel of Time weaves other strands around them. Huh. So their lives kind of seem blessed. Things happen to them, around them, things like that. So the un- uh, just extraordinary things. So I, 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 I don't want to offend you, but I wanted because I have not, I have not been able to get past that 100-page mark. And so I went and did the horrible sin and started watching the Amazon thing. And oh, a lot of it, so bad. a lot of a lot of it annoyed. So a lot of it annoyed the crap out of me. I, but so I'm just trying to do this to identify some characters. Is Rand the one that is in the beginning of the first book is walking with his father and he's got a bow? Is that one of the main characters? That's, that's Rand. That's the that's main Rand. character. Okay. Then I I know that Rand's got a. Uh, two friends. Okay, and one was married to a female blacksmith. So that's just in the Amazon series. That's what I'm talking about. Just from the Amazon. Okay. Has not, in the book, he's not married at all. Okay. Like, not till later on. And they created that whole story arc and changed his whole story arc. They oh. gave him a wife, killed her in the first episode, the whole bit, or he Good killed grief. her. That's 100% the Amazon series. The other thing, too, you know, he was having sex with Egwene in the series. Um, never happened. Never happened. In the, never. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna rail against the series or the TV series for a minute. And, okay. And, Please and, do. Rail against Amazon so, anytime you like. So the, the problem that I have with, with trying to create a modern, a modern take of the, of the series, what I, what, I really, what I really struggled with was inputting the morals of modern society into a story where things were not. Uh, yeah. So I'll take, let's, we'll take, we'll take sex for a big one. In medieval times, one of the, one of the reasons why people chose to be chaste, uh, women specifically, wasn't because, because of religion as much as it was the consequences of sex um, are often a child and there wasn't a way to stop it so there was a responsibility associated with sex so that obviously changed in the 60s with the birth control pill things like that Um, they were not free the same way that people act as they are 
nowadays. Now, were there was there still plenty of sex? Was there rape? Was there all these things? Sure. Of course there was. Um, but societies in general frowned on uh, premarital sex, n- often not out of a religious aspect, but out of a good luck raising a child on your own. <laughs> yeah. Life life is hard. Life is, you know, people talk about the oppression of women, but really, you know, we say today, it, and it's true, life is hard. Life can be very hard. Right. But back then, life so, was brutal. Right. So the, the point is, is that men and women often, they paired together in this idea that maybe together we can fortify against the world. Yeah. If you do everything that you're best at, and I do everything that I'm best at, we might survive. So it wasn't a oppression as much as it was if we don't band together and do everything that we're good at together, we're both going to die. This is kind of back to our, um, not to interject here, but I think it's important to um, state that's where that article came from, from our talk of does a woman belong in the kitchen? And I put that out there on, on my blog and man, did I get feedback. And the nice thing was is that it was uh, predominantly from women saying, I'm so glad that you wrote this article because they were shocked. They thought, oh, great, here's another, you know, another domineering man, you know, saying that a woman belongs somewhere. And when I brought up the point that you and I were discussing that, but wait, this is an agreement between a husband and wife. What's your plan? Your plan's different from, than my plan. You know, well, you guys get to decide like, where people I, belong. I, I, I have a very traditional sets. household. Yes, um, so do I. But the thing is, is that it's really, you know, exactly what we talked about. You get together with your spouse and you go, okay, well, who's going to do what? Right? House needs yeah. to be taken care of. Bills need to be paid. Children need to be taken care of. All these things need to, what, what do you want to do? What do I want to do? Yep. Right? And... And we kind of, we tend to fit in some of these roles. You know, my, my wife, there's stresses of working in the corporate world, in the, in just the workforce that are different than that of being a stay-at-home parent. Correct. Um, my wife, being very agreeable, has a hard time with people that want to take advantage or be unkind or things like that. <laughs> And you and I being incredibly and I don't disagreeable. <laughs> so it's like so, the world. So come here, cupcake. I don't get Let's have a talk. So I don't get taken advantage of the way that she would. Right. And my ability to handle, find things out, figure myself out, and work hard and, and build those, those and rectify situations is, is when much, they go bad. My ability to do that is is greater than hers is. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, the same thing that makes me more aggressive makes me less patient. And where I struggle at home with my children, with my family, where I get easily, my, my temper comes out um, easier than, uh-huh. it, than, than my wife's. Because um, she's much more patient and, and, and long-suffering than I am. Her ability to work with children and kind of walk through and teach them and care for them and nurture them, especially when they're so, so small, um, exceeds mine. So here we have somebody who's better suited for working with children and someone who's better suited for working with adults. And that easily puts us in a position where it's, it's, it's more advantageous, advantageous for us as a family for me to be 
working with individuals outside the home and covering the bills and her for, to be covering things at home. But in, in the end, whose responsibility is it for those things? It's both of ours. Right. If I were to fall sick or ill or injured and we couldn't pay the bills, what would she do? She'd get a job immediately. Yep. And I yep. would need to find out how to take care of things in the house. Right. Because it's our responsibility to make sure that things get covered together. And can I, just because it bugs me being your father and watching you and how you behave with your children. I know we all grow, we all learn, we all get, you know, hopefully we start improving upon our skill sets. I'd like to interject and say, I think it would, and this is just me from the outside looking at you and watching your wife and watching my grandchildren who I adore. I, I know that you're correct in saying that anger comes out, you know, easier than it does for your wife. But I would relabel that, since I know definitions are very important to both of us. Could I, could I interject and say that even though that is correct, the main thing that comes out is our frustration levels? You're right. Because I watch you with your children, and I mean, even when mom watches you, and we're just, we're not amazed because we know that that's you, but how loving and kind and patient you are with the children and loving father. But I know for me, it's not anger that comes out, but it's definitely frustration of, you know, I, you know, sweetie, you know, I know I'm talking to a four-year-old, your baby sister, but I have asked you 600 billion times since breakfast to do this, you know, how mom can ask her, you know, one more time. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, a good example is, I mean, so my foot's broken. I've taken the boot off because it it annoys me. <laughs> and and I'm sitting down, and I ask my son to grab me a can of Coke from the fridge. He grabs uh-huh. it, looks at me, throws it. <laughs> it falls you short. Catch it? it falls short because he has little arms, and I'm not paying attention. <laughs> oh, did it hit your foot? And it hits my foot. Oh. My wife ushers him out of the room, talks with him about it, and I put a hole through the sheetrock. <laughs> I'm not going to hit my child. Right. <laughs> but I do need to drive to Home Depot and get a patch to repair that wall. Because it hurt. And I want to look at this child and go, what were you thinking? He's a five-year-old. He was thinking, I'm going to get back to Legos. I can make this distance. Yeah, I can catch. do it faster. Right. There's also a level of confidence in you right. in There's, doing right. that. And and so and so she can kind of get the reasoning out of him, and go okay, and kind of work him through like okay, it, it, it's the joke that I always had the risk I took was calculated, but man, I'm bad at math. Yeah. He took a calculated risk. He failed. <laughs> he failed. But she's able to explain to him, and work with him. And go. Do you see how that didn't work? Right. You know, and kind of walk through the steps, and I'm over probably you know 15 feet from her <laughs> steam's coming off my head you know i'm i'm ready to throw down with a five-year-old <laughs> and 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 in those moments i'm like right she's better suited for this yeah um d- does it mean that i can't do it no it it but it, she is better at it than i am right um and and then it comes to like spending money and people go back and forth about you know well you know i people feel like the money you make is the value you bring to the family. And it's such bullshit because I could make as much money as I want, but if I don't have someone to watch my children, I need to watch my children. 
And so my wife taking care of my children, taking care of our children while I'm at work, means that I can make the money, which means every penny that I make is is the contribution of both parties. Right. The, so it's not, well, I make the money, so I make the decisions, and I make the... No, <laughs> we make the money, because if I wasn't out there making the money, I would have to be taking care of the children. But because you're taking care of the children, we are making the money together. See, why can't more people have that? Because they're stupid. <laughs> because they put so much fucking... This is why I want So to... much... <laughs> This is why I want to have more conversations with you. They put so much value on, on making the money, and they're like, "Well, making the money's the thing, and making the money's the thing." Okay, <laughs> making sure your home functions and runs, that everyone's taken care of, needs are met, people are learning, people are happy. That's the point, and the part that everyone plays is is almost irrelevant to that end. Right. The goal is is that those things need to happen, and everyone ought to fill the role they're best fitted for. Um, I know that in the day and age that we're in, people want to talk about well, there shouldn't be roles, and there, you know. But the the, the truth is is that women, everybody women, has to take a role, though. Generally speaking, women are softer than men. Yeah, they're more agreeable. They're less confrontational, um, and that trait makes them exceptionally good at caring for children right? compared to men in general. It's not a lack of love. It's not a lack of care. It's a, it's a complete difference in temperament. Um, I can, if, 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 I were, if I were to be at home and my wife were to work, the house would go well and I would f- find the resolve necessary to take care of my home, take care of my children in, in a healthy and good manner. That being said, it comes easier to my wife. Right. And we're both happier in the roles that we're in. I, I just want to interject. That's, that's also a funny thing when I try to encourage your mom. When I try to encourage your mother to to go and, you know, take a trip with her friends or to have time. I remember when she she went on a road trip with some of her girlfriends and and she's like, well, can I be gone for three days? I was like, yeah, why couldn't you? She says, but you're going to be alone with the kids. I'm like, gosh, I'm I'm 53 years old. I have 13 children. I, I can do this. And she's right. like, ah, I'm sure. Do you want me to? Do you want me to create a, a a schedule and everything? I was like, no, I will figure this out. Right. And it's funny. She came home. The house was clean. The kids had a ball. She's like, wait, what just happened? I said, yeah, your husband. I know how to do this. Right. It's not that I could do it every day. <laughs> but well, the thing is, is that, is that it's, if you're called to do it, if you need to do it, uh, you rise to the occasion. That's, that's your that's job. Right. You need to do right. it. Right. Um, but in an ideal situation, someone else is doing that while you're doing what doing you prefer else. to do. Right. Right. I would prefer to be at work than watching children. There's something about the problems at work, the bigger problems, the uh, things that that I, I, I drive a, a lot of enjoyment from. It's not that I don't enjoy things with my children, but the mounting frustration of working with children um, is is not as rewarding to me as the machinery or or the, the complicated flows. You know, unfortunately, I've moved into a position where I'm in... I'm not necessarily in a man- management position, but I'm in a, a higher-up position. And... Uh, higher up position looks a whole hell of a lot like babysitting children. 
they're just children <laughs> that have driver's licenses and show up late. Uh, okay, so I want to get... Ba- getting back to the point. Yes. <laughs> getting back to the point. The reason the series, the TV series, bothered me so much was in the first episode, uh-huh. there were no building blocks to that end goal. Huh. There were no building blocks to the goal at the very end. And what I what I worry about is that if you don't take the time to set it up, the ending loses its power. It yeah. loses its meaning, and it makes the sacrifice of everything leading up to that not worth Irrelevant. it. Irrelevant, yeah. That makes sense. And, and that was my number one complaint. My number two complaint was... See, and I would know something like that. The series is a very diverse series. Everywhere in the world, there are specific nationalities, specific people. I hate diversity hires. I think it's stupid. I think it's bullshit. The thing that I don't like is that is the two rivers is supposed to be very secluded. Uh-huh. Everyone looks the same. Everyone acts the same. Everyone does the same things. Because it comes from the same group of people, and they're intermarrying and mixing right? and all that. There isn't diversity... Partially because they've been cut off from the rest of the world for 200 years. Oh, there you go. And when you start doing diversity hires for everything, the regions, it explains quite a bit in the book, hey, the people from this area, their eyes are slanted. That's how you can tell where they are or who they are. The same way that you could originally, you know, in in the world, we were isolated. Most people were isolated. Yeah. Right? And... And there were, there were, if somebody came from a different land, you could tell they came from a different land. And right. you had a general idea of where they came sure. from. Right? And so the idea that everything's diverse everywhere, um, you can't get in-depth. You know, that's not accurate. It's just crap. You know, uh, Lan is some Asian dude instead of the Viking that he was. Really? He's supposed to be over a six-foot. For He's real? The so the northern lands in the oh. book... So the Blight, which is the north where now I'm the dark feeling one, bad for have watched the show. Where, where the dark one is, all the Borderlands countries are the heavily plated Viking. Their job is to stop the spread of evil from their location. Wow! So what are they? They are the They're biggest, warriors. strongest, most powerful men that existed. Mm. Lan is the king the rightful king of all those kingdoms. Wow. Okay. They are all big, massive, top-knotted Vikings. They were meant They're to be They're the warrior such. warriors. They're supposed to be over okay. six foot. They're supposed to be heavy. They're supposed to be clad in plate. So is Lan. Okay. Well, see, I'm glad I only watched three of them. So <laughs> the thing is, is that they're like, okay, it's a small Asian guy with a katana. Dude wields a broadsword. Because oh, he's a borderlander. Man. And everyone knows they're borderlanders because they look at him and they're like, huh, you're big, mean, and scary. You're a borderlander. Right. Right? You know who they are. Um, later on in the series, they have people coming from overseas. You know, the Aiel. Everyone, you, you distinguish the people by their race. The way that you generally would in real in life. world. Yeah. So when they created all those... That, that bothers me because it, it it's not immersive. It's not accurate. Yeah. It bothers me that, that I was going to talk about the, the sex in the first episode with with Rand and Egwene. They wouldn't be doing that partially because um, the responsibility of having a child out of wedlock. 
and trying to keep a child alive in that day and age was insane. Which is why so many of them tried to their best to keep to that. And and it's not that children didn't go off, you know, teenagers didn't go off and have sex. But the point is, is that the parents kind of ushered them in to spend the night together and then left them there together. Which just, it wasn't the case. In fact, in the series, um, it's several books in before the guys are even comfortable talking to girls. Wow. They're so uncomfortable talking to girls the entire time. Wow. And their morals set them apart from so much they come across. Because they're like, oh, you must be from this area because you're not going through the brothel when you get here. That was a character trait of all three of those boys. Wow. Okay. Right? And for them to turn that into something other than what it was was bothersome. There are a couple of things where they take liberties where Nynaeve is... She's at this pool of water, which I don't know where the hell that came from. Like, this is a sacred pool. And what happens is it's this borrowing authority from on high. I want you, uh, I want you, the viewer, to look at this and go and have respect for it. But I didn't build anything or write anything about respect, so I'm just going to use the word sacred. This pool is sacred. Uh, why? Yeah. For what reason? For what? You know what I mean? And, and These and are some of the things that I wanted to know about. So they start throwing things out there to try to give it the respect they want it to have but they didn't build the respect for you to have so who the hell cares if it's sacred or not what does it mean sacred what is sacred what is any of that gotcha and why does this pool make it any you know and and all these things the other thing too was in an attempt to make the women which for a series of strong women a series is full of strong women that hate men every other woman hates men in that it is. It has more feminist in it than a college convention. <laughs> but the women are not trying to be men. What they're saying is that our feminist traits are better than yours, which is not what you see in the series. In that first episode, isn't this? The it, women are all drinking. The women are all yeah. They're, they're, they're acting, vulgar. They're acting like bad men. Unlikable men. Beta males. <laughs> they're well, they're acting like drunken, selfish shits. Yeah. The the problem is is the women acted superior throughout the series. But not because they were trying to they weren't adopting the traits of men. And and the problem that I have with them adopting the traits of men is what the authors are doing is they're going, whoever acts this way must be the dominant one, the most important one. Huh. And then they made the traits of men do- and gave them to women. So throughout the so were they throughout that first were ep- they feminine in the series? Yeah. So they're taking the refined traits of actual women and saying, "This is a useless. Let's all make you men." No, no, no. I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about the series, the actual book. So, so the point is, is in the series that Robert the Jordan gets series. to that Robert okay. Jordan gets to is that men and women are different sides of the same coin, and both are required 100 percent. Wow. You don't get men without women, you don't get women without men, and you don't beat the dark one if you don't have a full combination of the two. So he uses the symbol, the yin and yang symbol, right, throughout the series. Okay. And in the series, that's supposed to signify the male side and the female side. They're okay. equal, they're together, they work together, and they form the seal, they form the, the perfect whole. marriage. Okay. Right? So... So you have strong women, you have strong men, you have everyone filling these different roles, but the women are creating and amplifying 
the traits of the feminine because they believe the traits of the feminine are better than the traits of the masculine in the in the series they're they're turning the women and giving all the women masculine traits so what they're, they're what they're saying is masculine's better at everything and women uh, need to again be i need to point out you're saying in the tv, in the TV show, series yeah sorry yes so we need to say tv show and books so in right. the in the books they're saying the feminine traits are do, are right. are the dominant traits, and in, in, and in the show, they're they're turning the women into men by giving them masculine really traits. bad men, by the way. Right, and, uh, that's, and and that was the main thing that annoyed and, and me. And the thing that bothered me about that was like, okay, but you're taking the worst of men and turning the women into the worst of men, and <laughs> and that's bothersome too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so there are things like that. So they're so they were taking modern, modern, mostly woke. Um, values and trying to put it into a place where they don't belong and the problem is is that if if those are the reasons why people are doing what they're doing um those do not command sufficient reason to sacrifice your life for makes sense see because i look at my my problem with my problem with a lot of wokeism as a whole isn't that there aren't degrees of truth isn't that there aren't conversations to be had but it's that the people that espouse them don't actually believe in them. And the things that they're espousing as virtues aren't strong enough virtues that people are willing to die for them. They're willing to let other people die for them. They're willing to kill other people for them. But they're not willing to put their own lives on the line. Um, the, the, the hallmark of, of you know, uh, we'll, say, we'll say traditional values. Okay. Um, I take care of my family. I take care of my children. I take care of my wife. I make sure that they're fed and clothed and as much as I can happy. What is what is the cost of that? Um, going to work in the morning every day, there, there are days where you, you, you've been up all night for dealing with whatever, whatever you've been dealing with, with kids, with your wife, with, with anything. You look in the mirror in the morning and you're exhausted. You look like shit and... You're going to get dressed. You're going to go to work anyway. Yep. Because if you don't, you know, I can stand there in my bathroom, stand there in the bathroom. I'm looking in the mirror and I can look out the door and I can see my child asleep in their bed down the hallway. And I go, I've got to go to work because they need to be fed. Yeah. They need to be clothed. And so the, the problem that I have with a lot of the woke individuals that I've personally talked to is the unwillingness to sacrifice for others. They There's a long talk about privilege. There's a talk about what's right and what other people should sacrifice and what other people should do and what all these other things. But when it comes down to you, what are you doing? What's worth sacrificing? And and it, 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 it seems to me that there is not enough there for you to be willing to lay your life down for it. I'm willing to lay my life down for mine. So, given given that premise, when you take the values in this the book series, where they are willing to lay their lives down, and you change it to we're fighting for these other reasons, but these other reasons don't command the respect or value of individuals enough to sacrifice for. Exactly. So you've lost. So you've lost what's worth fighting for yes completely agree with you and and so that's my 
those ones are and then there's you know not sticking to the book and not and everyone has that problem when a when a movie or tv show is made from sure. the series yeah and i knew there are going to be some changes but to change the core to change the values yeah i totally i totally get that to change any of that means that they when you get to the end it yeah. won't do what it was meant to do right. and that was to say endure to the end and and so and so because they're going to skip the setting up it doesn't matter where they end the tv show's you, you already won't, lost you won't, it you won't get there yeah it will never have the impact it was the same thing with the ender's game movie it became so much about the battle at the end the battle wasn't the issue the moral conundrum yeah. that, that ender was in that, that those children were in was the point Right. And when is it right to kill? And when is it right to take? And 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 to what degree is it right to to kill? They touched on it. They I still think that they did a a basic good job. I watched the movie several times. I and it still I wasn't. Think, I think that right behind the wheel of time is that one, as a absolute really? absolute abomination of cinema and storytelling. Really, not me. I would put that as third. I would say that the Rings of Power was the second. I would put Rings of Power as fourth. Ooh, okay. Then now I want to talk about okay. What are, okay, so you're saying, you're saying Wheel of Time Wheel is of first, time. then Ender's Game. Ender's Game. What's third? The Last Airbender. Like the movie? Mm-hmm. I don't get why all you guys and, hated that. And 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 still, we had this. Literally, I've had this conversation so many times with your brother, and your younger siblings, and your brother-in-laws even. But I have not been able to watch all of the cartoons so I, I'm out of the loop and I've watched them out of you know out of uh, does the same sync thing. does the same thing at the end of that series he's faced with the option to kill huh and he looks at it and he goes but what's right what is truly right yeah not what am I feeling not what am I scared of what really should I do what is the right yeah. thing to do Okay, and seeing and, that that makes sense, and having this conversation, but I haven't seen those things, and so, so, so the, okay. so the problem is is that with with the but that was a movie, not a TV series. Right. You're talking about the movie, okay? So the so the problem with that TV series was, I don't believe it's going to build the building blocks necessary. So going back to what led us on this, Perrin Ibarra, in the movie or in the series, the TV series, the TV yeah. series, they. Gave him a wife. He accidentally kills her. Yeah. I'd... And then that's his story arc. That's not his story arc at all. And his was so important because his question was, when do I kill? Huh. And that was what, that's what he, he abandoned the other characters at one point. Because he's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not fighting a war. I'm not fighting your war. You're talking about the books. Okay. I am. Um. And what happens is, is he ends up with this axe. Okay. And this murderous, just just beast of a blade. Okay. And he has a dream. And they say, you'll never get where you want to go as long as you pick up the axe. And he ends up trading out the axe for a gigantic hammer. And when, why? And he goes, because a hammer is a tool to build. And if I have to fight, I can still fight with it. But, but I must build. carry something that builds. My conscience cannot allow me to carry a weapon that is solely used for killing. That is what I could personally relate to. And so his whole fight, this whole time, is he goes, I can't just carry 
a blade. Yeah. I must carry something that can create. Yeah. And as the blacksmith that I am, I carry a, hammy, a hammer so that I can... F it's a weapon, or, or it's a tool to forge, to create, to build. And with this, I can stand. And it takes him so long to get there. And then there comes a point where where he's ready to give it all up because he's like, I don't want to fight. I don't want this fight. I don't want to do this. And then he's faced with a, with a choice. He sees his wife and he sees his duty that others depend on him. And he and has to make the choice. And he does his duty. Hmm. And so there's, there's another character. So in, he goes into the dream world. In the dream world, the time's different. Okay. So he looks at his... He looks at a... Um, his one of his friends one that's loves him and has sworn to protect him out of love and he says I'm going to go into the dream state to fight this guy I need you to make sure that nobody touches me while I sleep okay and his friend looks at him and goes no one will no one will enter he goes into a cave he goes no one will enter you have my word so Perrin goes in he enters the dream world he fights he beats the guy. Okay. He goes, I need to talk to my wife. I know it's going to take extra long because I'm going to use myself to travel in the dream world to my wife to try to see how she's doing, check up on her and all this. I'm going, I'm going to do it anyway. He does it. It takes extra time in the dream world. He goes out. He's been, he's been asleep for a week. And he steps out of the cave and his best friend is sitting there covered in blood with bodies all around him. And he's dying. And he wouldn't have died if Perrin had done his duty and not gone after his wife in the dream. And he looks at his friend, and his friend, as he's dying, looks up at him. His name's Gaul. And he goes, none got past me. I kept my word. And then he dies. <laughs> and Perrin goes, wait. I could have been here. But I was weak, and I wanted to go see my wife while he was standing watch. And he looked at me with just the love in his eyes. None got past me. I kept my word. And he... So Gaul made the choice to keep his word and die for it. And Perry goes, I can't make that choice again. I have to let my wife go. Because there are others that rely on me. So that helped him forge that later choice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, now uh, in the end, in the end, he, he finds his wife's body on the battlefield still breathing and he's able to to get her and and they're able to he's able to to save her hmm. but he had to give her up and and i and i loved that i loved that his journey into i don't want to kill i want to build and then finally when forced with it he goes i not only i don't want to kill but you're asking me to kill and give up my life to give up my wife, my family, everything that I love. You want to take it all from me for the sake of killing? Damn you. Damn you for that. Yeah. But then he does his duty. It's encouraging to you as the reader to hear that. Because it gives you a blueprint for your own life. When duty calls, you answer. Right. And, and so that whole arc is, is a big deal. And that is the end of part one of this conversation. 
I know you're probably going, uh, 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 we're right in the middle of the conversation, and you are right. We are right in the middle of this two-hour-plus conversation. But I decided to trim it right here before we got into the next major subjects. So thank you for listening, and I want to encourage you to come to lifeoffiction.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And we will finish part number two next week. And remember, you are more than you think you are. We'll see you next time.